is Bloomberg Surveillance. Our base case remains that a 60% chance that Remain will win, that Britain will not leave the EU. The Fed really can't control the pace of potential real GDP growth. They don't have much to do with that. We expect that core inflation in Europe will continue to run below 1%, so well below the ECB's target of just below 2%. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Good morning. It is 7 o'clock on Wall Street. It is noon in London where Brexit fears reign supreme. The Sun newspaper, the biggest paper over in the United Kingdom, endorsing leaving the European Union. Polls show the public moving in that direction, depending on which bookmaker you believe. The uh, money bet on a leave is now putting the odds at 40 to 45 percent or so, and the momentum is definitely with the leave side. The FTSE down 80 points this morning, 1.3 percent. The pound down by seven-tenths of a percent, 1.4168. And those concerns have spread pretty much around the world. Nikkei in Tokyo off 1 percent on the day. The stock 600 in Europe down four points, 1.3 percent. The DAX is down 78 points, eight-tenths of a percent. And, of course, it's all being reflected here in the United States with S&P futures down five points, two-tenths. Dow E-mini futures are off three, uh, uh, 30 points. That is a two-tenths drop, and it's a quarter of a percentage point fall for NASDAQ E-mini 100 futures. The concerns have everybody looking for safety, and as a result, as George Goncalves of Nomira told us on the show earlier today, uh, there is no risk-free rate anymore. The German 10-year note is negative two basis points. The German two-year, negative 58. Here in the United States, two-year note yield, 69 basis points. The five-year, 1.1%, and the 10-year goes for 1.58. Federal Reserve starts a two-day meeting today, decision tomorrow, nothing expected, but it will be interesting to see what they say in light of the idea of uh, a Brexit coming. Bank of England meets on Thursday, not expected to do anything because they're so close to the election, but the Japanese central bank meets on Thursday as well. Uh, They may take their cues from the Fed. There is a feeling they need to do more, but will they, given the uh, ructions in the market? It is a wild and crazy time, Tom Keene, for people in the markets, and um, it's very hard for people to know what to do. The story of the day yesterday at this time, Microsoft buying LinkedIn came out about this time. Big move, of course, in LinkedIn shares went from about 130 to 192, trading for 192.21 right now. It's actually a tenth of a percent decline. But uh, if you owned the stock yesterday, you'll take it. Yeah, Microsoft absolutely. shares uh, at uh, 50.14 right now, down four tenths, but... Uh, uh, not a lot of movement in uh, Microsoft uh, shares yesterday. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's all there is uh, to it. Gene Munster with us with Piper Jaffrey uh, this morning. Uh, Bloomberg Surveillance this morning brought to you by Invesco. Looking for investment views? Invesco's high-conviction portfolio managers are just a click away. Go to Invesco.com slash U.S. to subscribe to the Invesco blog and follow at Invesco U.S. On Twitter, I-N-V-E-S-C-O-U-S, at Invesco U.S. on Twitter. Uh, Gene Munster with us. We're not going to talk Apple today. That's usually what we talk about, but let's de-Appleize. Maybe a little bit, but let's de-Appleize. Gene, before this transaction, was LinkedIn a troubled company? 
it was it was not a troubled company. It was a troubled company. The fundamentals were not, but in terms of how investors viewed it, they viewed it as a troubled company. So I think that uh, just to give some context to that is that LinkedIn management was considered one of the best management teams in in internet. Uh, two or three quarters ago, and then they they hit a rough spot, and it was shocking how quickly investors thought of them as totally incompetent. And so, when you get those ma- massive swings on things like that, I think what it shows is just a loss of confidence, but isn't necessarily a troubled company. And so, I think that they had some very real growth drivers around talent solutions and education, and their core business, the recruiting business was still getting the benefit from annual price increases, which means that it's a very sticky platform. So I think that uh, Microsoft really capitalized on some of that investor fear. Microsoft doesn't need an employment agency, though. What does LinkedIn have that Microsoft can build on and monetize? The core is about 60% of LinkedIn's revenue is this recruiting business, which they don't have. There's another 20% that is a membership business if you pay, for example, to see who's viewed your LinkedIn profile. So what Microsoft essentially got was this, 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 this high visibility, reoccurring business that has a higher growth potential than their core business. And so I think that's what they were going after, large addressable market with a recurring revenue base. Yeah, but to do what with? what? what um, I mean, the, the revenues from LinkedIn are, are tiny compared to what Microsoft makes. Um, it, how do they integrate this? What, what is it that – why would a company like Microsoft buy them? So from uh, – you know, I, I come at it from the LinkedIn perspective. And one of the things that LinkedIn has is this navigator business. And that essentially allows you to use the graph of LinkedIn to make connections for sales purposes. And so that would be an example of something that Microsoft didn't have, and they could use that to compete more with, for example, Salesforce and to start to build some of those type of applications. And so they have that's, – that's an example is that you basically are acquiring this network. Microsoft didn't have that. And when you talk about having 80% of the white-collar jobs in the U.S. and the U.K. on this and a fast-growing portion of them outside of that, that's something that's valuable to a bigger company. How much of this is about retaining employees? Gene Munster, years ago, I'd look at diversified industrials, and a CEO would say to me, look, all we're doing is acquiring our engineers. Okay, I get that with an industry. But you've got a Silicon Valley culture that's looking for stock-based pop and the capital gains treatment out of it. Andrew Ross Sorkin writes this up with your colleague in crime, Mark Mahaney, uh, cited this morning in the New York Times. You and Mark are expert at the mathematics of stock-based compensation. Were the employees at LinkedIn so underwater that they have to cheer this transaction? They do. I mean, that that's a, a part to it that must have been in the back of LinkedIn's mind is that when you have, call it, let's say, uh, 40% of your, your, uh, your, your employees that have stock that's underwater, uh, that's something that, that they really need to address. And so you start to lose some talent if that's not the case. Now, fast forward to today, now those, those, those employees have been made whole, but basically Microsoft inherits a problem then too, is now that they've been made whole and, and their, their stock is vested, 
Now how does Microsoft take that and start to motivate them so they have to reissue stock and the, the cycle continues? The horse is out of the barn, but uh, the premium paid by Microsoft, is LinkedIn worth that? I think it is. If you look at, for example, next year, call it, they'll have operating income of around a billion and a half dollars, and you look at the $26 billion uh, transaction growing at 25%. Obviously, valuation is very subjective, but I think that, that it does make sense for, for that kind of valuation based on what the operating income is and the growth rate yeah. is. How does this real, what's a game strategy here, the game theory almost, for Mark Zuckerberg or Mr. Dorsey? Or all the other players and names you know better than that we know. How do they react and respond today? Does everybody dial one eight hundred Morgan Stanley and say let's do something? I mean, how does this work, Gene? Well, uh, I think that what it doesn't create a ton of urgency because I think these other companies have their targets already in play. I think the way it impacts them is that the companies that are in play uh, see their valuations potentially as higher now, and so. I think that there is kind of all these companies kind of essentially got got a higher valuation or a raise, however you want to think about it. Now, when you look at the big behemoths like Facebook and Google and Apple, they've got so much money that, and so much stock where they can do things. Even if the valuations on some of these targets go up by well, 10 or 20 percent, it really doesn't change the game. I think of Michael Eisner at Disney and quickly, Gina, we'll come back. At dinner once with Mr. Eisner, and his brilliant insight was, I have to say no to a lot of things. What does Tim Cook say no to, given this foolishness? Uh, I, I I think he said no to a lot of things. Yeah, I mean, I mean they, beats, they talk beats about worked a lot out, of small right? acquisition. Yeah, I, I think that that's, that's worked out. I think in, in Tim Cook's case, I think he, he's, he's probably going to say yes to more things over, over the next several years. And so at least that's the message he's been giving investors is just to, that they're open to doing bigger deals. And so I think that, uh, you know, uh, what should have he said no to? I guess maybe in hindsight, maybe they paid a little bit too much for Beats because the hardware business definitely dropped off, but that gave them the framework for the music business, which they really played up yesterday. Gene Muster, we'll come back with uh, Muster. Mr. Muster, I guess we have to talk about Apple. He's with Piper Jeffrey. Looking at Microsoft and LinkedIn as well. Futures are negative seven. They're now negative four. A little better tape in the last two hours. Uh, they yield 1.58. Wow. 1.58%. This hour of surveillance brought to you by Mount Kisco Volvo. Visit MountKiscoVolvo.com. Here's Michael Barr with news headlines. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. Authorities are still investigating possible motives in the Florida nightclub shootings. FBI Director James Comey says there is nothing so far to indicate the attack by 29-year-old Omar Mateen was directed from outside the U.S. Mateen, an American-born Muslim, appears to be a homegrown extremist, according to Comey. In New York City, thousands of people attended a vigil in honor of the victims of the Orlando nightclub attack. House Speaker Paul Ryan plans to unveil a regulatory overhaul plan that includes scaling back the Dodd-Frank financial regulation law. It also calls for expanding energy production on federal land and limits lawsuits against businesses. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom? Yeah, Michael, thanks so much. As Mike McKee mentioned, a historic day for yields. A German 10-year, a negative 0.014%. With Gene Munster on Microsoft and LinkedIn, Bloomberg Surveillance.
Bloomberg Surveillance is brought to you by your Tri-State BMW Centers. Visit them online at tristatebmw.com. At BMW, they make only one thing, the ultimate driving machine. Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And this Bloomberg Business Flash being brought to you by the accountants and advisors at Eisner Amper. Cybersecurity is on the mind of every business leader. Managing cyber risk should be, too. Get started with a cyber risk assessment. Learn more at EisnerAmper.com slash cyber risk. Risk aversion is uh, the phrase of the day that's prevailing in the markets, and that is leading the slides in Asian and European stocks. This all because the U.K.'s upcoming vote on the European Union membership is uh, fueling anxiety ahead of the central bank meetings here in the U.S. and Japan. The uh, pound sterling falling along with oil. Sovereign bonds are rallying. Case in point, the uh, German 10-year, uh, the yield negative of 0.01% this morning. As we uh, check the markets right now, S&P futures, they're down five points. Dow futures down 31. And the Nasdaq futures, they are 12 points lower. And the yen, Japanese yen, strengthened just a bit, uh, up three-tenths. Uh, one of the haven currencies at 105.88. The benchmark 10-year in the U.S., 1.58%. And NYMEX crude down 66 cents a barrel at 48 22. Check the markets for you every 15 minutes during the trading day right here on Bloomberg. Michael and Tom. John Tucker, thank you very much. We're talking with Gene Munster of Piper Jaffray, and we were talking about Microsoft buying LinkedIn. And just before the break, Tom uh, and uh, Gene touched on the idea of Apple. They're having their Worldwide Developers Conference. I sort of want to link the two, uh, Gene. Uh, Microsoft had $100 billion from which it... Uh, or with which it decided to buy LinkedIn, although they're going to issue new debt. Apple has $233 billion. As Tim Cook stands on stage and talks about improvements to Siri, is that really going to move the needle for Apple, or should they put, can they put, will they put that $233 billion to work and buy something else? One small footnote is that that's the the net cash. They have some debt too. So if you kind of back that out, call it 170, 160 billion in in cash, and then they have their market cap. Uh, you know, call that another 500 billion on top of that. So they've got a lot to work with. To your point, uh, do do I think that they need to do? Is the stuff yesterday enough to move the needle? And it's enough to move the needle longer term around the iPhone. Essentially, what it's going to do is allow you to do more with your iPhone because they're opening up parts of the operating system that are going to allow developers to enrich the iPhone experience. And we can go through some examples. But So I think that that's great, but it still doesn't answer one of the biggest questions that investors have is how do you get a company the size of Apple to grow and to try to go after some of these new markets. And that's where they're balance sheet and their equity comes into play is that they can use that to try to get themselves in a better position from some of these other markets longer term. But is there any sign that Mr. Cook is interested in that? You know, he's, if you take him at his word, which is a good thing to do because he's, I think he's earned that ability. He's, he's been, been, uh, hinting for the past call it year and a half, that they're going to do something bigger and they're open to doing bigger deals. And they obviously talk a lot about some of the, the, the smaller deals that they do. And they've made some smaller, call it billion-dollar equity investments. But so 
Do I think that he's willing to do it? I think the answer is absolutely. And I think that they're just laying the groundwork. They're going to lay the groundwork for these future growth opportunities. Here's the math, folks. Free cash flow the last five years, $17 billion, $33 billion, $43 billion, $46 billion, $50 billion, $70 billion, $70 billion. And then they completely collapse into the gloom of Gene Mutster down to $55 billion, supposedly. Gene, there isn't a company on the planet that wouldn't dream of that cash flow dynamic. If you look at price and unit at the revenue line, if they play with price, do they sacrifice units or critically, do they sacrifice gross margin? I don't see it. If they, if they sell this stuff at a lower price, they don't sacrifice gross margin, do they? They they haven't. They've done a masterful job of of slightly lowering the price and keeping margins at where they're at, or slightly raising margins. And the reason why they can do that, and most companies can, is just because they have so much economies of scale. When you're producing more than 200 million iPhones a year, and the next biggest uh, single uh, hardware phone hardware is closer to 20 million, it just gives you some massive scale, and they can leverage that. They lowered the price of the iPhone. SE that came out in the spring that was about 11% lower than a typical entry level what iPhone. happened and what the mark well nothing the margins were fine they Thank they, you. they uh so i think that you know if they really dropped the price that would be something else but what the way they've balanced this over the last several years they've been able to slightly lower the price yeah. and that's been positive for for units is that your bull call then i mean within all the typical uproar of a new product cycle the fact is they're going to do what every manufacturing company does, which is manage the margins to a good cash flow outcome. Am I wrong? You're, you're right, and that's that's part of our call. I think the other part is that investors are notorious for overreacting in the near term. I think LinkedIn is a textbook example of that. It's a good company that investors got frustrated with. Apple investors are frustrated about what the potential longer-term growth is. But I think what you're going to see, and this is why we're bullish on the stock, is that the the overall growth is going to be down about 8% in calendar 16. But in calendar 17, the overall growth is going to be up about 10 or 12%. And so that swing back to growth, and it doesn't take much to get there. It just takes an average iPhone 7 cycle. That swing back to growth should be positive for Apple's multiple, and that's why we're positive on the stock. Well, uh, Gene, uh, very quickly, um, is this just a holding pattern, though, until they have to do something different to drive growth? I, I think that the stock can take a nice move higher in it as we get back to growth. So I think that that's the, 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 the safer bet and the reason why we're optimistic. I think that as soon as the stock re-rates higher, then this is this question about, how are we going to get to the next level and what areas of growth mm-hmm. is going to reemerge? And, and that's probably the next phase that we're going to be talking about in six months. Right. This has been brilliant. Gene Muster, very generous with your time this morning, particularly on MSFT LNKD. And AAPL and <laughs> a Piper Jaffrey. Just, just, I can't say enough folks about, you know, we get, we get a, a, a wonderful guest, one block great, two blocks. Is a real gift. Gene Munster, thank you so much. Futures were negative seven. They're now negative four. A little bit of strength to a very difficult tape. Bloomberg surveillance.
Bloomberg Surveillance is brought to you by Sector Spider ETFs. Why buy a single stock when you can invest in the entire sector? Visit SectorSPDRS.com or call 1-866-SECTOR-ETF. 